0: NBA Odds Pod on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. Las Vegas may be closed, but the MyBookie Casino is open 24 7. Use the promo code SGPCasino to receive a 150% deposit bonus. That's promo code SGPCasino to play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you by Madden Mayhem, our Madden simulation tournament where we're giving away $10,000 in my bookie credits to the winners with the best brackets, plus SGP commentary and live in-game wagering on the Madden games. Get all the info at sportsgamblingpodcasts.com slash Madden. That's sportsgamblingpodcasts.com slash Madden. And finally, we're brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP That's aceperhead.com slash SGP welcome to nba odds pod i am your host ryan mckee and today i am lucky enough to be joined by another ryan ryan sullivan he is the creator of the james harden strip club stat post that went viral on reddit uh, earlier in the nba season he also did the uh Charles Barkley's secret critical analysis on his uh, true love of San Antonio women and churros and he is now a contributor to sports Dot-com you can if you missed his reddit post you can go to our site sports dot We have republished uh, both the James Harden piece and the Charles Barkley piece, along with his newest piece, the NBA's most valuable statistic: how to predict team wins with ninety-five percent accuracy. Uh, how's it going, Ryan? Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, of course, of course. I'm excited. I've, uh, I've. First of all, I've been. I feel like I've been talking about the James Harden piece since I started this podcast. Cause I started the podcast early, right around the same time you had like released that. And so it's been brought up multiple times. Um, so let's just get into it. Are you know, how did you decide to write that? And like, what's your background? How were you able to do that? Um, well,
1: my background is in like finance and accounting. I'm an auditor for an oil company. So I work in Excel and, and do data analytics on like, Mostly procurement data and accounting data, which is very different than sports analysis and stuff. But uh, I spend a lot of time on Reddit, and I'm always trying to make my friends laugh and stuff. So sometimes I use Excel to make that happen. Um, Wait, you use Excel to make your friends laugh? Yeah, it can can be done. It can be done. Uh, (laughs) For example, the James Harden post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, well, so... To back it up a little bit, I also argue with a lot of people on Reddit, um, and I used to argue with people a lot about James Harden, and I'm a huge, like, Harden stan, I'm from Houston, it's like the Rockets are my team, I call them the Maury Ballers. Um, And
0: and I'm a, you know, full transparency, I'm a huge uh, Harden stan as well, because I went to Arizona State, so. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I can't not always stand up for him as the best basketball player to ever come out of Arizona State. No doubt, no doubt. But uh,
1: so I had, like, done some Reddit posts on, like, the Rockets subreddit because the people on Reddit NBA call James Harden Hitler. And so, like, anytime it's like, you know, Hitler, they'll just replace the name Harden with Hitler. Hitler won the, you know, uh, the MVP award in 2017. Hitler, you know. Wait, why do they call him Hitler? They just call him Hitler because they don't like him. Okay. It's just a whole thing, like the fouling and, you know being better than their favorite star players on their teams and stuff so they're just haters and so i like would make these posts on like the Rockets subreddit and like defending james harden like i took at one point like took like 40 talking points mm-hmm. and just like backed it up with stats and i was like when the nephew on reddit nba says you know harden takes too many free throws attempts you know reply with well did you know michael jordan you know averaged a similar amount of free throws per game Yeah, you know, attempts, like this kind of stuff, just making talking points and stuff. So I guess like it just kind of merged these two things, like arguing with people, being a hardened stand and putting my data analysis skills to use.
0: Yeah. So like, what was the biggest kind of like joke, like Excel joke you did for your friends before the hardened piece? Like, because the hardened piece was the first time you really like dove in head for first, right? I mean, I don't, yeah,
1: that's like the, the biggest one that's, that's out there. I don't know. It just, it just kind of depends. A lot of things are just in our group text, and they have to make sense, like in context Got it. with other things and stuff, you know, but, uh, so but
0: the, it can, yeah, go ahead. I was just, so the Harden thing was like the first public thing you did. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've never put
1: out anything that I've written like about, you know, sports or comedy and stuff like that. I've never put out anything like that except for the Reddit you know, post about James Harden. And, uh, yeah, I just couldn't believe how much it blew up, you know, how much yeah. people reacted to it. But when I when I was showing my friends, I, when I was talking about it in the group text, like, holy shit, guys, like I found this relationship between James Harden and a city's, like, quality of strip club, they were dying. And they were like, you have to post this, this has to go out there and stuff. And so they're the reasons that I even, like, made this whole Reddit yeah, like post in the in the first place.
0: All right, so I mean, well, let's back up for just a second, and for those few people, for those few listeners who don't know what we're talking about with the uh, James Harden uh, performance uh, correlation with uh, a city's quality strip clubs, uh, explain like very briefly what it is. Okay,
1: so there's this whole thing that came out like probably three or four years ago that James Harden had his jersey like hoisted or raised in the banners of a strip club in Houston. Yeah. Shout out legends. And uh, since then it's just like always been a joke, especially in like the online, like NBA community and stuff like, oh, James Harden played bad tonight. It's like, oh, he's at the strip club. Yeah. Till three in the morning, got out.
0: And uh, I mean, that's just like, even outside of Reddit, that is a well known thing among basketball fans that James Harden Is a lover of strip clubs. Yeah. He at least has that reputation.
1: No doubt. So I decide to like investigate this a little bit. I went and I Googled the strip clubs in all 30 NBA cities. Yep. And I think there's 29, um, 29 different
0: cities. Because you didn't uh, include Houston. Right.
1: Because there's 20, there's 28, I guess. because There's two in New York. I, I yeah. can't remember I have to go back and look at the post, but oh, wait. For all two, I,
0: two in LA too. That's what it is. yeah because Brooklyn and New
1: York are different. But I went and I, I researched the strip clubs in each of these cities and determined the city's average strip club rating. And I ran a correlation analysis which basically says like, as examines as a city's quality of strip club improves, how does James Harden's box score stats perform? Yeah, And it turns out that there is a statistical correlation between the quality of a city strip club and James Harden's performance in that city over the last like four years. And what the relationship is, is a decline in James Harden's performance. So as a city has a better strip club, he's more likely to perform worse there. And I ran a further like regression, which basically comes out and tells you that it's like the correlation is like 049 like a 50% correlation. Yeah. Pretty strong. Yeah. And the regression tells you it's like 0. 0.2. And that basically tells you that 20% of his box score can be predicted based on the city's quality of strip clubs. That's huge. That's like statistically huge. And even though there's like so many improvements I wish I had like made in hindsight and everything else, and so many extra things I had done, like showing how maybe potentially. James Harden's true shooting percentage has a lower correlation to like rocket success than the quality of a strip club. Like I could have added so many layers to it that I wish I had in hindsight, but it was a huge breakthrough. And so whenever I told my friends that they were just like, you know, you got to get this out here. This is seems to be in a a basketball journal needs to be published. Daryl Morey needs to see it. I was like, (laughs) okay, okay.
0: I mean, so, and you and I have been talking over the last few weeks about, um, you know, you uh, republishing the James Harden post on our site, and you talked about like going back over it. You now see so many things you wish you could include, and uh, that there might be updates coming later. What kind of? Can you give us any preview of what you're thinking?
1: Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Okay, but yeah, just a taste. I do a taste. I think I want to. Um, well, I want to, I want to, when I first put it out, let me just say this. The biggest flack I got was how I, um, assigned each city strip club rating. So I used Google reviews cause that's the most common reviewing site like ever. And people were very upset with that. They were like, you have to go to this specialty, like sex website that reviews city strip clubs. And I'm like, well, I know about this weird sex website yeah. that you need to go to before you decide which strip club you're going to go to nasty freaks. And so that was a big thing. So I want to change like how I like evaluated a city strip club scene. That's like a big change.
0: Um, so so will you change. be going to this nasty freaks website that review that is like hardcore reviewers of strip clubs. And now I mean,
1: no doubt, no doubt. Because if you don't, if, here's the thing is people were saying like what kind of weirdo leaves a Google review for a strip club, like on their public like email and profile. And they're just like, yeah, I enjoyed this strip club. Like that is, that's, that's that's a good point. Weird, I guess it's only the weirdest people. And so apparently this like weird sex website, these people on Reddit told me I should told me is more reliable than, than Google. Um, and
0: we should say, you know, no judgment. Uh, we're, you know, we're all degenerates here. Uh, oh, so, if we say weirdo sex site, it's just because we don't know about it. But hey, I'm sure, I, like, hey, well, uh, let me, no judgment to anybody who knows what we're talking about who is maybe on there and reviewing strip clubs. Well, so, well, two things. First of all, I
1: got my banner hoisted in Legends before James Harden did. And second of all, um, apparently it's not like open source reviews. They send experts to the strip clubs ah. and the experts review the strip club scenes. So I think that's the big thing is it's not just like random, like people reviewing the the, the strip clubs. It's actual, you know, legitimate professionals.
0: No, wait, so that's, that's like... Go back. Yeah. What does it mean? Okay, so were you joking when you say you had your banner raised in Legends or...? You, no they really do that. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Got it. Uh, uh, but okay, so like Houston is known as one of the best strip club cities in the country. Yeah, we have a scene. And why is that?
1: I guess it's just because it's like such an international city, you know, like with oil and NASA and all that stuff. You know, I don't know. It's a big. It's one of the bigger cities. So I guess that kind of tends to attract those kind of amenities.
0: Yeah. And does like Texas have like lenient rules for strip clubs as far as like full nudity with, uh, alcohol and whatnot. I mean, it's the
1: Bible Belt. So it's, uh, I mean, it's not as good as new Orleans in terms of the law. Like you know, they cut off drinking at 2am. You got to start hitting the buffet. Yeah. And, uh, And there's no smoking inside, at least inside of city, the the city of Houston limits. So you gotta go to like places like out past our beltway if you want to like get real dirty. Yeah. Uh, So like the laws aren't like super conductive to it. I think it's just the business environment because Houston also has like a really high amount of like sex trafficking and you know, like vice busts for prostitution. And it's, and yeah, and they're all at the rich places. Like, the most uh, uh, prostitution busts are at, like, our nice, fancy hotels and downtown and the Galleria and stuff, which is interesting. So Yeah, no, I'm learning
0: it. so much here <laughs> that I did not expect <laughs> to learn. So, uh, in, if you're interested in uh, high-end sex trafficking, don't go to Houston. There's a lot of busts there, apparently. Don't ask me. <laughs> um, okay, so... Uh, okay. We got, we got real sidetracked. So, uh, um, uh, so that could be an update. What were some other things people on Reddit might've come after you about, uh, when you put first posted the article?
1: Um, like sample size, I only use like four years of like data so I could expand that. You know, there's obviously been uh, half an extra season since I posted that. So, I mean. The smaller your sample size is, the less reliable your um, analysis is, right? Or yeah. your outcome. So, like, that, that was a big thing. Can't really control much of that in basketball. There's only 80 games a year. So, it's a little bit of a different beast. But that also means, like, because of what we're examining is, like, your thresholds for correlation and regression, like, drops as well. Because there's so many factors that you're talking about yeah that when you find a strong one that I mean that's even more important you know what I mean that that shows like an even increased significance when you can find these correlations in things that have so many different factors affecting them you know it's not just the strip club that affects James Harden right it's the rest the travel the you mm-hmm. know baby mama stuff his mom you know what I mean like anything that happen that affect our own lives and our own day-to-day uh, performance at our own jobs like thousands of factors yeah you know? but if you find a strong correlation with one that's even like more significant yeah so.
0: and I, and i mean this is totally anecdotal and just came to me off the top of my head but we were talking about houston being such a great strip club city i imagine oklahoma city very bad strip club city james harden became a true superstar when he moved to Houston. Is that because he is like somehow feeding off of the power of the strip club in this better city? <laughs> like how how do you how do you how do you how do you, how do you it, analyze the fact that he lives in such a great strip club city and he he plays so well at home?
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I can't really speak to that. I just, I let the data speak to me. Yeah. You know, okay. if, you, if you come into it biased, your outcome is going to be biased. So when I try to like plug in the numbers, I want it to be, I want the numbers to tell me what they're telling, you know, and that's what they told me is that James Harden is distracted by a pair of tits. I mean, yeah, I get it. That's, that's what it told me. But yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to, to explain that. I mean, it could be that he wasn't a tit man until he did blow up and had all this success and and stuff like that. You know, maybe when he was a a sixth man in OKC, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the confidence to to get up to the front of the stage and, and get the tits in his face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, so many great strip clubs in Houston, uh, made him like a true connoisseur of strip clubs before that he didn't, he didn't know what he was missing in Oklahoma city. Right. And so there you go. As Gucci man said, maybe he he gets lost in the sauce. Yeah, that's very very appropriate. It's very (laughs) appropriate. Okay, I'm going to take just a quick break here for uh, an ad read, and we'll be right back with more talk with Ryan Sullivan. There are no sports on TV and the casinos are all shut down. So you might be asking yourself, I'm bored, what the hell am I going to do? Well, my bookie has the answer for you. They are now offering you the opportunity to bet on simulated sports so you can get that itch scratch and win some cash. Make sure to check out Madden Mayhem. The SGP guys will be doing play-by-play for the simulated Madden games that you can bet on. Thursday to Sunday, games kick off at 5 Pacific and 7 Pacific. Go to mybookie.ag and get a 150% deposit bonus for the casino when you use promo code SGPCASINO. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SGPCASINO. Or if you're looking for sportsbook action to bet on Madden Sims, use promo code SGP for up to $1,000 in bonus bets. And we are back with Ryan Sullivan uh, we're talking about his Reddit piece that blew up the James Harden uh, strip club analysis. Um, we'll move on to some of your other work here soon, but I just wanna know, uh, the last question I have on the James Harden thing is like you posted it. What was that? Can you take us through a little bit of that feeling of when you realized that this was going viral? Uh,
1: mostly scared because I didn't realize how big it was until Darren Revell tweeted it and then it just made it like that much bigger. And like, I'm not gonna lie. I spent an entire work week on that and like in my office and I'm like sitting there wondering like if this is going to pop up on a Google news feed in one of my coworkers office or something. And, uh, I mean, it's not, it ends up not being a big deal, but I was like mostly scared. So I was like going through my like. Reddit account, like, oh, fuck, this is going to get out there. I'm 100% doxed at this point just because of how much attention is on it. So I just yeah. doxed myself. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have anything bad, really, in my Reddit account. Maybe me being a dick to somebody I was arguing with about politics or something. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was mostly, like, a little bit frightened about that because I do have a real job. And, um, you know, I didn't want anything, like, bad to come of that. But uh, then I was, like, you know, I just started getting anxiety. You know, pe- like five thousand messages in my Reddit inbox, like thousands of notifications on my Twitter. Like I couldn't even pick up my phone. I just turned off notifications. <laughs> like it was. I was just like anxious. I was like, "Oh my god! Like what the hell?" And then like, like my friends were just like freaking out like about it blowing up and everything. And everybody was retweeting it and stuff. So they were kind of keeping me, keeping me like calm. Like you know it'll be 15 minutes. It'll be over, dude. Don't worry. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were gonna, like, just enjoy the moment. Right. Yeah. Ride the wave. Ride the wave. So nothing bad came of it. No, no, no. And did I, people uh, at your work find out it was you or did they even care? I sent
1: it to all of them in the end. I was like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Cause they've, they've read some, like I like do some like political writing and stuff and they've read that. And, and you know, they don't necessarily agree with me and everything, but that's like under my own name in public. So, um, I don't, I wasn't worried that about like the subject matter so much, just as like other things in my Reddit account or like the fact that I blatantly say I spent a week of work on it (laughs) in the post and stuff like that. But, uh, my, my group's pretty chill. So it ended up not being a big deal.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. And what was, was there any like weird, uh, online celebrities that reached out to you or just like, did any, just, did you get any odd requests from like strip clubs or anything? No, but I do
1: need to find a way to capitalize on that. Let me write that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, just the fact Darren Revell tweeted it, it was pretty crazy, and you know, Barstool like messaged me about you know putting the content on their uh, on their Twitter feed or whatever yeah. and stuff. I mean, that that was all like pretty pretty nerve wracking and stuff. And I went on some serious show out of Chicago. Um, and they like talked to me about it. And so I was like, I did that from my actual like office office. So like, yeah, I mean, there was some like wild shit that was going on. They talked about it on ESPN radio, like everywhere. My buddy in Georgia was like, they just talked about this post, like on my drive to work. People were messaging me from Canada. Like they just talked about this on the Winnipeg ESPN <laughs> That's
0: amazing. radio.
1: amazing. And I'm like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, you know? And there's like Al Jazeera, like... Tehran is retweeting
0: it. Just there was it was weird. It, wow, like, global viral. It was strange. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, like pretty soon after that had gone viral, like I had messaged you on Reddit trying to see if you wanted to contribute to sports gambling podcast, and it took you a very long time to get back. I didn't expect you to ever get back to me. I figured everybody was reaching out to you, but you did get back to me a couple months later, and like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'll I'll contribute. There's a like
1: site where you can link your Reddit account and it will like filter your inbox for you. And so between like post like post replies and like all this kind of stuff and subjects and things like that. So it became easy to like query it because everybody knows like the Reddit search function yeah. across their site is dementedly fucked up. Yeah. And um so once I did that, I, like and that was like a month later, like probably at least before I like started looking at that stuff. Cause there's so many thousands of messages. Yeah. But yeah. And there was a bunch of other offers, like people saying like, do you want to write for this website? Do you want to write for this? Do you want to do this? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And then what made you say yes to us? Uh, I, I've really enjoyed writing. Like, I don't know. Like I, I kind of see a future, like making this, you know, not necessarily like a career. Cause I like my job and, and what I do and stuff, but definitely like something I want to pursue and, and everything. So I've just really enjoyed like the writing part and, uh, and you can't just make Reddit posts forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause when you, when, when it's a Reddit post, some, for some reason you're like a troll or like something like that. But if you're putting it out on anything, even your own, like, you know, Squarespace website that yeah. you made or a medium blog for whatever reason, that's more legit than just, putting like 40 hours of work into a fucking Reddit post <laughs> for whatever reason you tell people that it's like, like depressing. You yeah. Know, like, I
0: mean, Reddit just has this reputation to right. the common person of just being like a, a land for trolls, which there, you know, to but be fair, there are a ton of trolls on there,
1: but yeah, it is a, uh, that is an accurate reputation.
0: <laughs> and okay. And then your, your, your second, post that went viral was the uh, Charles Barkley's secret love for San Antonio. Uh, give us just a quick overview of that.
1: Um, if anybody watches uh, NBA and TNT. Yeah, you can probably
0: favorite. assume that most of the listeners here watch
1: Absolute it. favorite show on television. Yeah, it's like, the best. All time favorite. I mean, they when they're at like 1230 at night and they're just laughing about the most ridiculous shit, pulling up somebody's horrible meme from Facebook about Chuck. Like, it, I genuinely love that show. And uh, Chuck has a bit on there about the big old women in San Antonio. And this bit's been running like since he's been on TV, it feels like yeah. at least 10 years. Yeah. He's been running this bit, it feels There's like. There's
0: multiple compilations of him. On YouTube, if you just search, like, Uh Charles Barkley, San Antonio, there are, like, multiple compilations of him talking about the big old women of San Antonio. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and so I love that bit, and it's, like, a deep bit. Like, he has so many layers to it. And, uh, like, you know, he's like, you know you know what they say in San Antonio? Who's Victoria? (laughs) And uh, because that's his bit. There's no Victoria's Secret stores in a place with so many fat women. And um, that bit, I mean, it is – Maybe a little fucked up. Ernie definitely like chastises him every time he, he talks about it. Shack's yeah, I mean, it's certainly
0: like he's been doing it for 10 years. Certainly the uh, public <laughs> uh, public sense of humor has certainly turned against that kind of like body shaming of women.
1: 100%, and, which is reasonable. And uh, so Charles Barkley does not apologize for things. Yeah. OK, like whenever he said that like thing about Draymond, he wanted to hit Draymond and he was like, you know, he came back in the, to apologize. He's like, Look, you know, nobody, nobody should be advocating violence. I'm really sorry. You know, whatever, whatever. And he ends it by saying, like, I still want to smack that dude, though. <laughs> and it's like every he will not apologize. Yeah. So he's been like called to apologize to San Antonio. And like one time he shows up to a playoff game in San Antonio with a bucket raising money for their air conditioning. And he says. All, all the big old women sucked all the air out the out the stadium. <laughs> like that was his apology. Like he was coming that to is, San Antonio. That's not an apology. Apologize. Right. So like that's his whole thing. So it I love that show. I love watching. It. I like this bit. He won't apologize for it. Um, no matter how many times he's been asked. But anyway, we're getting getting away from it. I wanted to see if all these things that he was saying is true, you know, there's no Victoria's Secret stores, yep. a lot of big old women in San Antonio. Yep. Uh, and then for some reason, this all ties into his obsession with churros. Like people mail him churros uh, onto the set. Yeah. To eat. Like I I just love how deep this San Antonio bit is. But it did feel like there's something more to this story. Like we don't have the whole picture, this this ragging on San Antonio. Where does it come from? Yeah. You know. And so I set out to find find out some answers.
0: Yeah, and you did.
1: Uh, yeah, so San Antonio does have like the fourth most uh, obese population of females in the NBA. They have like the third or fourth most churro vendors per yeah, I capita. Think like,
0: I think it was also fourth because I remember being uh, like impressed that it was like four and four. <laughs> and then
1: they have like an abnormally low amount of Victoria's secret stores per capita. Yeah. Um, so I went and I proved these assertions, right? Like all these things that Charles Barkley talked about are real. Okay. They're backed by the data. They're not just his hunch or, or his, you know, his little joke bit. These are real things that are backed by, backed by the data. So, yeah. uh, then I wanted to take another fur- a, a, another step further. How does he play in San Antonio during his career? So I looked at his whole career, and it turns out he plays significantly worse in San Antonio compared to on the road in other cities. Like, And that his- was
0: across his whole career from, like, 76ers to when he was on the Rockets. Yeah, like across his, Rockets.
1: his entire career, he always played way worse in San Antonio. And, like, San Antonio wasn't, like, that good, for like there was like a 5 or 6 year stretch where they were the like a bottom 5 team. Yeah, I mean group. before
0: Popovich, before they got Duncan. And I mean there was a, the I mean the year that they got the first overall pick, they totally bottomed out. So you would think he could pick up a couple wins there right there.
1: And his career road win percentage is like, you know, close to 500 mm-hmm. 45% something like that. And His career road win percentage in San Antonio was like 21%. And he added, there's a, a, a stack called game score and it just basically adds up all of your stats in these different like proportions. And it sh- basically equals about like how many points somebody would score a game, right? right? Like in terms of scale. So if you had a, a game score higher than 20, you had a good game. If you had a game score lower than 10, you had a bad game. Well, um, Charles Barkley's game score has like a 25% drop in the city of San Antonio. And this, <laughs> this can't be explained by their rosters during those years. They didn't yeah. have some sick power forward that was Ding him up. Um, they were He played worse in the city of San Antonio, significantly worse. So I did all this an- analysis and we have all of this data. And it doesn't seem to be that much of a stretch to assume that this is all just a big projection. This is just a big smokescreen. For Chuck. Yeah. You know, fat shame women with this hand while he, you know, dips his other hand into the honeypot, you know? Yeah. I think, and I think the data supports this, that Charles Barkley is a Chevy chaser. And I think he uses his platform on TNT to obscure that fact by fat shaming the women of San Antonio. Yeah.
0: He loves big, beautiful women. I, It's, it's certain. You I was it? actually
1: thinking, I was thinking about... Like tracking Charles Barkley, like when he like travels and stuff like that for, you know, games. They travel during the playoff season and stuff and tracking the BBW, BBW Google search. Right. um, Like Google trend statistics to see if it spikes on days that he's in those cities. And I'm certain it would. (laughs) I mean, it seems
0: like a very difficult thing to, I mean, could you actually figure that out? I mean, one person that's a lot of searches i can do it okay Um, if if there's if there's one thing about me it's that
1: effort is not the problem
0: and now we're going to take a quick break for another word from our sponsor hey we're giving away ten thousand dollars in my bookie credits for the best brackets of madden mayhem there are live in-game wagering Prop bets, futures, and much more available at mybookie.ag. That's Madden mayhem, guys. It's going to be, well, you know, it's going to be mayhem. Make sure to get your bracket in before the tournament kicks off. The first game is this Thursday night, April 30th, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden for all the details. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden for all the details. So, yeah, I mean, so kind of like your first two pieces, you prove that James Harden plays worse in uh, cities with good strip clubs uh, and Charles Barkley plays worse in San Antonio because he's distracted by the big, beautiful women. And so um, you kind of had like similar (laughs) ending points to both of these studies in a weird way. I could not believe
1: that the data like prove these things
0: i i
1: I mean the the james harden one i was like freaking out but when the charles barkley one when i started going through it i like every single time like i got to the end of an analysis and like pulled in the percentile rankings and filtered it my jaw would drop i mean this man every single time he gets on tv talks about you know shits on daryl morey for being an Mm -hmm. analytics guy yeah but how does he know all these things that only the data can tell us yeah. I mean you got to really have your thumb on the pulse. He knows about these fucking churro vendors. He knows <laughs> about the big ladies in San Antonio. Yeah. It, other, I mean that or he has a secret like passion for data
0: analysis. Which is another yeah, so he has a secret passion for big bigger ladies, secret passion for data analysis. I mean,
1: it's either or, right? Either he's out here crunching the numbers like I did and finding out <laughs> about the big old women and, and the all their churros down in San Antonio. It can't be both, right? I mean, the dude says he hates data science. I'm going to take him at his word. He's never said anything actually bad about the big old women in San Antonio. Just acknowledged their prevalence in the yeah, city. got it. So I think I'm going with the chubby chaser
0: well before we get into your newest piece uh, just one more quick ad and we'll be right back have you ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how ace per head is here to help you start your own sports book today they provide you with all-inclusive professional betting sites with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately they have top-notch customer support going 24 7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry plus ace per head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience Get started today at Ace, and is offering up to six weeks free. Just go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. All right, now we're all caught up to date. Um, you had two viral pieces on Reddit, and then um, you and I started talking, and you said that you really wanted to crunch all the numbers to find out what is the NBA's most valuable statistic? This is not obviously as pop culturey as the first two pieces you did, but uh, I was excited to see what you came up with, and I'm really happy with the piece that you wrote for us. It is very long. Give us the too long didn't read breakdown of it. Uh, okay,
1: so just talking through it, and that's really what the article is. Is I just talked my like talked through my process um and uh but basically what happened is i took every stat i could find and i went on to nba.com stats and basketball reference and i ended up coming up with some ideas to bring in some of my own stats as well that i was just personally curious about um and i pulled them all into a single database and so there's 595 rows each team for the past 20 seasons excluding the 2019 2020 season and there's 75-ish columns of actual data points that we're analyzing. And that's everything from like points scored, field goal percentage, percentage of three point shots unassisted, made unassisted, percentage of, you know, like I did pull them from Wikipedia, the number of all defensive players on a team for that given year and stuff. So I pulled in all kinds of data and I made this one database essentially. 20 years of data, 70 plus statistics, and I ran a correlation analysis just to see if there was any that had like a really strong relationship to winning Mm -hmm. because the most valuable statistic is going to be the one that translates into winning games because that's ultimately the most important statistic, right? Winning. Of course. And so, uh, I do this first analysis and This first correlation and it kind of just tells me like how the different stats relate to winning is there strong relationships Weak relationships inverse direct and from that you can kind of interpret certain trends But as I was doing this research one of the sections on nba.com was four factors and it had eight stats in there I never heard of that before so I go and and and, and do some research on on the four factors it's created by some PhD from Stanford, Dean Oliver, mm-hmm. in like 2002. And he says that these four factors are the most important factors in determining basketball success. He wrote a book on it, and he got a job as an NBA coach off of this. And so I'm researching Dean Oliver's four factors, and all he does is wait, you know, these four areas, shooting, rebounding, turnovers, and free throws. Mm-hmm. And he assigned them a weighting. And he said that's how important they are. And there's underlying advanced statistics that have been tied to those four factors. You know, effective field goal percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, free throw attempt rate, and the turnover percentage.
0: And-, and his weighting, I'm looking at it right here, 40% shooting, 25% turnovers, 20% rebounding, 15% free throws. Those are That's how important those factors are for winning, is what his says
1: according to his yeah Yeah, his his four factors and so um you know i do i do this analysis and all none of his factors actually had strong relationships to winning you know i would have expected those it's actually eight by the way there's those four stats that i named Mm -hmm. for your team that you're analyzing and then their opponents average for the season yeah so um there's actually eight factors Right. None of those had a strong relationship to winning. I, I didn't understand that, um, so I decided to try and come up with a formula that represents his fourth, his eight factors all together. And it took me a while, like, of number crunching, because you just take in those advanced stats, multiply them by their weight percentage, opponent and team, figure out which ones you have to subtract and add based on their like relationship was it inverse or direct. But you come up with this formula and it took me like probably a whole evening and I came up with the Dean Oliver four-factor rating. And together, these eight loosely correlated stats showed an extremely linear relationship with winning. So about like 0.94 relationship to winning, um, which is strong. That's a really strong correlation, the Dean Oliver rating. But there was one stat that was better than the Dean Oliver one. And that was the NBA stat called Pi. And it's called Pi. It's player impact estimate. Yeah, and I didn't know this until I read your article. There's a team version of that stat. Yeah. So the NBA developed this stat in like 2013 or something, 2011 maybe. So it's been around for a little while. It never gets talked about. But it's actually a really strong correlator to winning success. That had a relationship of like .948. So better than Dean Oliver's Mm -hmm. now granted they had an extra 10 years of analytics, um, you know, era to develop theirs, right? He, Dean Oliver was a pioneer of basketball analytics. Yeah. When did
0: his book came out? When?
1: Like 2002 uh, is when he published his four factors. And so, um, they, they definitely had a leg up using updated, the updated, you know, template of the league and everything. Right. The games changed a lot mm-hmm. and stuff. So I decided at this point that I wasn't going to let the NBA's pirating win, right? This dumb fucking stat that nobody's heard of that's in the like edge of their stats column on NBA.com. So I wanted to come up with my own. And so I decided to use Dean Oliver's eight factors as a template mm-hmm. and basically played with the weightings that he had until I have found one that made sense in basketball terms and also had a stronger correlator than NBA's pie rating. Now, I could have done it differently. I could have ran like a regression and like identified the coefficients of the eight factors and merged those together to create this ridiculous algorithmic formula that gave me like a 96.5% relationship to winning. Mm -hmm. But you would have had to assign ridiculous weights to them like 47 percent on team effective field goal percentage and 44 percent to opponent effective field goal percentage and 17 yeah. percent here and thir- And you had to come up with these crazy things and that doesn't really inform coaches if you say hey you need to focus 43 percent on <laughs> shooting right that that's not that doesn't really convey using a stat like that all it would do is tell you what the relationship is, or tell you what it's, you know, what the future, you know, wins might be. But you actually need a stat that ties to real underlying stats in a way that's um, digestible for coaches and GMs. And that's what the Dean Oliver one does, right? For a different era, mm-hmm. you know, he's saying forty percent on shooting, but it's a way more shooting league than it used to be. Yeah, right? yeah. the
0: game totally. I was gonna say is totally changed from the game totally changed from two thousand two to. 2013 when pi came out but then it's changed even more from 2013 to now with the right with the three-point revolution
1: 100 percent. and dean Albers when he developed his i mean he had to have been using 80s and 90s statistics right to develop something from 2000 and you know in 2002 i wouldn't have i wouldn't think he would use less than a decade of data mm-hmm. um, because there's not that many data points and he's a data scientist so i'm sh- assuming he would have used uh, Data back to the '80s, they didn't have a free uh, three-point line until 1979. Right. So in ni- in 1981, the NBA league average was like three three-point attempts per game. Yeah. <laughs> three. This year, it was 34. We we're averaging here in 2020. So, and and uh, on top of that, free throw attempts per game gone down big time. There's less fouling in the NBA in the in the NBA. Now than there was in 1980, 27 percent less for, like free throw attempts, 30 percent less
0: offensive rebounds. So people who get so annoyed with all of uh, Harden's free throw attempts, uh, right, should be glad that it's not the 80s because there were a lot and more fouls back then. Oh yeah,
1: and and you know that those those are the same people saying shit like, oh he he wouldn't have survived in another era, you know that, that kind yeah. of shit. Yeah. So people know fucking nothing about. The other eras of basketball and shit. But regardless, uh Harden stands. Gotta, gotta stand up where we nah, can right? totally, totally. Uh-huh. But um, Yeah, I mean the game's changed. So like his weightings 40, 30, 25, 15, they, they wouldn't they they it wouldn't make sense that they hold to today. Yeah. You know, in a league that has less offensive rebounding, less free throw shooting, and way more three-point attempts. And so these the formula that I came up with, which was an adjustment of Dean Oliver's, an update for the 21st century, if you will, um, ended up showing a relationship of like 0.95, you know, better than the NBA pie, better than Dean Oliver's. So, you know, the biggest takeaway from this is that an LSU finance degree is worth more than a Stanford PhD <laughs> and also Washington Wizards. Come on,
0: give need a new coach. Give me a shout. Yeah, I mean, this could be the thing that gets you a front office job. <laughs> so you waited at I, I DM every.
1: I DM every one of my projects to Daryl Morey.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's, he's, he's he must have you just about ready to uh, hire. Um, so I was going to say, like, the Sully four factors, which, as you mentioned, is technically eight factors, but um, is waiting, is shooting is 50%. Turnovers, 30%, rebounding, 15%, and free throws, 5%. Yep. And-, and I think that those
1: weightings, I mean, they they make sense in a, in an intuitive sense. You can think about it if you know how the league has changed in the last 20 and 40 years. These weightings make more sense. And so it's really an update on Dean Oliver's work. But I'm not giving the credit to that schmuck. He never developed a formula for me to use to plug into team stats. He didn't yeah. have a single Dean Oliver rating that could be applied almost as good as the NBA Pies. So like fuck Dean Oliver. The award goes to me, motherfucker. I'm the <laughs> one that worked on this thing for two goddamn weeks and didn't get to watch Tiger King. Yeah. So that's why I get the
0: most valuable stat, the Sully Four factor. Well, hey, I, I love it. And then what <laughs> What did, uh, what were the biggest comments on uh, Reddit when you posted this? What were the detractors saying?
1: Um, that it was Dean Oliver's four factor rating. But like I said, Dean Oliver can suck my dick and so can Stanford. (laughs) And, uh, and the point is, is that it's, it's not complicated stuff that they're doing. I mean, this isn't, this, this is 595 data, like, data items that you're you're looking at 595. That's it. I mean, in my work, I run idea software on a million lines of data, you know, so this isn't some ridiculous thing. You don't need to be a PhD in statistics to do this kind of thing. I mean, running a regression, figuring it out. If you do the, if you do the, the analysis, right, you don't need to be a PhD to do this. I mean, granted, you need to know a lot about basketball. Yeah, and if yeah. you watch like some of the things, and all seriousness, Dean Oliver is like an excellent uh statistician and and he knows a lot about the game. Yeah. You, yeah. You now you talk, say
0: this after you say Dean Oliver can suck my deck. Yeah, but <laughs>
1: when it comes to the award, it's me. He's not getting that credit. But he, he is he has a lot of good things to say. And and in doing this project, I did do some research on him and listen to some of the things he was talking about at these like data conferences and stuff. And and one of the big things that he always talks about is that it has to come back to coaching. You know, it has to come back to the basketball, to the actual sport, you know, going and telling players that the it's more valuable to take this shot than that shot. It, it doesn't mean anything. You want to inform decision makers like coaches, you know, and and inform the GMs and stuff. So he actually knows his shit and he knows about basketball and he, and he knows, you know, how to, how to, come up with this whole factor or this whole um, four factor thing in the first place. But um, now his efforts are going to be on helping the Washington wizards, you know, not out helping the data analytics movement. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of people. How can it
0: help us gamblers?
1: Well, what does 1% mean to you? That's what it comes down to gambling is the Sully four factor rating can predict wins at an extra 1% accuracy than the NBA's pie rating. So if you're actually applying it, it can help you determine which teams are fundamentally better in the modern game of basketball. If you look at two teams' four-factor ratings, Milwaukee's playing you know, the 76ers. You look at the four factors, it's Milwaukee's going to smoke them. I mean, kind of things that, that you can already tell from the eye test, but if it's a close call, you're not sure which way to go, Maybe the four factors the right way, the right thing to help you, like, you know, push you over the edge on that on that bet.
0: It feels like a great thing to use for season win totals at the beginning of the season. Could we Absolutely. take, because it'll give you a better sense of where Vegas is off on, what, what teams Vegas is most off on on their win totals. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess you would take the team's uh stats from the season before you'd have to update them slightly based on what players they added. But
1: that's always the tricky thing. And no, there's no sports metrics that are going to tell you with accuracy how good a team is before they played any games. Yeah. Because every single year it's a different team. If you ever you know, I'm sure you played sports when the seniors leave off the varsity team and and then you're the senior the next year, t- team feels totally different. Different culture, different environment, Absolutely. all that kind of stuff. Coaches changing, an assistant coach leaving, a weight trainer being different. It's a different team. you know. And then obviously, one of the things we love about the NBA is the turnover, right? Players coming in and out of teams and stuff. And so there's not that many rosters that are the same from one year to the next, especially if you're the Houston Rockets. Yeah, <laughs> Making the bet preseason... I don't know if there's any stats that are going to really help inform that decision-making.
0: Yeah. I mean, people can go to the site, sports gambling and check out all your data and make up the decision for themselves.
1: An update for the most valuable statistic. This is, this is what I was going to do is run an analysis on against the spread stats. Yeah. So see like which team most like, or which uh, statistic NBA pie Dean Oliver or the Sully four factor can best predict teams winning against the spread. So, but the, the stuff I was
0: looking at would be very useful.
1: The only things I found were like against the spread that only goes back to like 2003. So I couldn't line it up perfect with this analysis, like in terms of like the years. So I decided that that would be like a separate project and maybe I can incorporate some other betting metrics into this, maybe tie in the James Harden one.
0: Yeah. You have a lot of great ideas, so I look forward to uh, working with you more at firstgamemagpodcast Thank you so much for joining and and talking uh, us through all your uh, very interesting, time consuming studies that you put so much effort into, and uh, we'll t- have you on again soon.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, and hope all your listeners enjoy my uh, my little projects out there. Ba, 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 ba.